This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Biden's national disaster at the border keeps getting worse. We're seeing this play out now across the country. We're seeing what this actually means in the media, how this is all going. They don't want you to know what's happening. They're trying to hide it from you. We'll get into that. Uh, But now we should all remember that this was exactly what we said would happen. This was anticipated that people were expecting this. This is this is not a in any meaningful way, a surprise effect. It's just maybe the numbers are bigger than we anticipated. The, the way that this is happening so quickly in the Biden administration has gone even beyond what they expected. But I don't think they have a problem with a de facto opening in our border. They don't want to call it an open border where there's a giant opening. Show up as a family unit and you get to stay. It's all you have to do. Show up as a family unit. You're going to get to stay. So they can talk about single adult males as much as they want. But what's happening is a flood of unaccompanied minors and family units. And they both get to stay those two categories of those who cross illegally at the border. And they don't want you to see this. They don't want you to know what's really happening. And that's part of the censorship of the Biden administration, which is a a huge challenge right now, given that journalists are in the Biden administration's pocket. Uh, But censorship on social media sites is also a major challenge. You know, the left wants to silence and remove any ideas, any voices they don't agree with. Twitter and Facebook were supposed to be open platforms. I don't need their content moderators acting like the op-ed section of The New York Times. So instead of letting social media sites revoke your right to free speech, how about revoking their right, their access to your data? Now, you could just deactivate all your social media accounts, but that gives the left what they want in the first place. So instead of doing that, I use ExpressVPN. All right. ExpressVPN anonymizes a lot of what you do online by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity a whole lot more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. And ExpressVPN couldn't be easier to set up. You just tap one button on your phone or computer and you're protected. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100 percent of your data to protect you and hackers and Internet uh, protect you from hackers and Internet bad guys. It's time to finally say no to censorship and take back your online privacy. You need this. I've got it on my phone, on my devices. It's a must. Go to expressvpn.com slash buck. By visiting my special link, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN service for free. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash buck. Expressvpn.com slash buck to protect your data today. Tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money now going to hotels to house illegal immigrants who have come across the border and now cannot even be held in the overcrowded facilities at our southern border. So you are paying for it. That's that's what's going on right now. That's actually the the situation as it unfolds before us right now. The Biden administration can say as much as they want about this. Uh, But we know that eighty six million dollars has been contracted for hotel rooms for twelve hundred migrant families because they just simply have no space for them in these facilities. You got fourteen million dollars a day now going to the cartels. That's that's real money, even for the Mexican drug cartels, fourteen million dollars a day. And why is this happening they, they're trying to hide from the truth. They're trying to blame this on other people. They're trying to tell you things that you can see obviously are not true. So instead of just 
listening to me, instead of basing it on my analysis or my assessment from up here in New York City, and I know you're listening all across the country, we could just go right to the source, couldn't we? Why, why not ask some of the migrants who are coming across the border why they're coming, what changed in their perception, why the numbers are exploding? You know, Democrats can't figure if it's better to pretend the numbers aren't that bad or they are so bad, but it's Trump's fault. Or they change the excuse every day. Here's ABC News' Martha Raddatz asking an illegal immigrant who crossed the border, why did you do this? Play one. We were there when a bus of 56 asylum seekers arrived at Casa Elitas, a Catholic charity shelter in Tucson. Men, pregnant women and children stepping off the bus with only what they could carry. This father, who asked that we not show his face, traveled to Mexico from Brazil with his wife and three young kids before crossing the border. Would you have tried to do this when Donald Trump was president? Definitely not. Definitely. We had the chance, you know, the, the same violence that is going on today was there last year. We used to watch the, the news and uh, I definitely won't do this. So did you come here because Joe Biden was elected president? Basically, basically. Uh, the main thing was the violence in my country. And the second thing I, I think was Joe Biden. There's violence in his country and there's Joe Biden. So why do you want to leave? Violence. Why are you coming? Joe Biden. Would you have come under Trump? Definitely not. Don't think I would have made it. Wouldn't have been able to come in. Now, I know you could say this is only one voice, but OK, we've got people showing up at the border wearing Biden let us in T-shirts. We have individuals who are interviewing with the press uh, who are giving interviews to the press and they're saying that it is because of Biden. And yet, what do you what do you think the primary the primary tool of distraction or putting the blame on somebody else, right? Well, who do you think they go to right away? Oh, that's right. It's the Trump administration. Play 17. We uh, will not uh, abandon our values and our principles. We will not abandon the needs of vulnerable children. That is what this is all about. We are executing uh, on our plan. It does take time. It is difficult. Uh, our plan includes the deployment of the Federal Emergency Management Administration, FEMA, to assist HHS in building its capacity more rapidly to shelter the children. But it is taking time and it is difficult because the entire system was dismantled by the prior administration. There was a system in place in both Republican and Democratic administrations that was torn down uh, during the Trump administration. And that is why the challenge is more acute than it ever has been before. He's saying more here than he intends to. Notice we had a crisis under the Trump administration because of the system, as he puts it, it was being exploited. So the Trump administration fixes it. And now you have DHS Secretary Mayorkas here bemoaning the fact that it was fixed, essentially. He says, oh, they tore down the system. We have to start from scratch. Right. Because the Democrat system is take as many unaccompanied minors at the border. And, you know, they keep saying, what about four year olds? A huge majority of the people showing up the border are 15, 16, 17, um, so they got to stop saying, what about three year olds? OK, we're, we're not heartless. No one's no one's saying that three year olds should be left to freeze or to starve. Um, but they have taken 
what's going on here and misrepresented it to the American people from the very beginning. If you show up as an unaccompanied minor or a family unit, you're overwhelmingly likely. I mean, it's, you know, 80, 90 percent likely you're going to be released in the American interior. You're going to be able to stay unless they figure out that you're actually recycling. That's the term they use. Children posing as parents, part of a cartel or something like that, or have a, a violent criminal history. They're going to let you in the United States. So what they're doing now is they're saying, well, it's not an open border because adult migrant males are if they show up solo, they'll be turned away. Right. What is the surge comprised of family units and unaccompanied minors? Why is that happening? Because they're responding directly to the incentives of the system and the Democrats do not want to change those incentives. They fundamentally do not believe that it's a problem that people are skipping the immigration line and coming into the country by abusing the asylum process. They could apply for refugee status in their home countries. They are choosing not to do so. Why is that? Because they don't want to wait. They don't want to have their claims adjudicated because a vast majority of the claims of asylum are not accepted. So the whole point, we can all see what's going on. The whole point is just find a way to get into America and then just disappear in the American interior, wait for amnesty. That's the whole game. All right, for for the overwhelming majority of people who are crossing illegally in the United States, it is illegal to cross, not at a port of entry. They can keep pretending like there's no illegality here. They're wrong. And the overwhelming majority of those people do not get final asylum because they are not really asylum seekers. They want to come to America, which I understand. But we have an immigration system for a reason. If Democrats want to allow this to continue, they should be honest with the American people and say, we believe if you show up as a family member and you and you have a story about why you should stay in the U.S. because of violence or whatever, you get to stay. Forget. But do you think that anyone's going to go through the migration or the immigration system in the rest of the world legally now to come into America? You'd be a fool waiting years and years. Go to Mexico, pay off the cartel, show up at the border, come into America with your family. It's that simple. So Democrats can't say that, even though that's the reality. So what do they say? Well, they pretend that they're telling migrants not to come. Play 16. Again, these are Democrats saying that the change in Biden administration policy is fueling the crisis. How do you respond? I respectfully disagree with them. Let me just say that we have a number of work streams in place. As I mentioned, we are dealing with the needs of the children now. Um, we are rebuilding orderly ways in which the children can make their claims without having to take the perilous journey to the border. Right. And we are uh, elevating our messaging uh, so that the uh, individuals do know that they cannot come to the border. The border is closed. What they argue is that the messaging isn't working and that, uh, dis- you know, despite that, Children and maybe even families are coming because they think that if they get here, the border will be open for them. That's causing the surge. Dana, we Dana, we are expelling families. We are expelling single adults. Uh, we have communicated and we will continue to communicate to the children. Do not come. Expelling families at what percentage? Because I think if you found out the number, you'd say, OK, so this guy is just a huge liar. Right. This guy's misrepresenting what's going on at the border. Really? They expelling families. Why are they all showing up? 
Why do they keep showing up? Right. The the immigration market here, so to speak, right, the the free market of of illegal immigration is speaking in the numbers up one hundred and eighty percent year over year for the last month. Enormous spike in in uh, unaccompanied minors. I mean, the 15,000 unaccompanied minors that are currently in custody, they're all going to be led into the United States. They're all being placed in the U.S. Okay, we know that. And none of them are going to be deported. So that's not true. How many how many of the families? What percentage of families? Someone should ask. Ah, but they're hiding the data. They're playing games. These people are liars, folks. This Democrat Biden administration, which is really just Obama's administration 3.0, they are lying about this to you. They cannot deal with the truth. And let me ask this question, which they will never give a real answer to. Why are they telling why are they turning migrants away? Right. They, they want to tell you they're doing that. But why are they doing that? Do they believe that these migrants aren't people that need help and aren't desperate and shouldn't be? So so some people shouldn't be led into the United States, even if they're perfectly law abiding, decent folks who just want a better life. And, you know, all the things we always hear. Why? Well, why is that the case? You know, if Democrats can't have it both ways, it can't be anybody can basically game the system and come into the country. But, oh, also, we don't want people. We're sending people away who try to do that. Well, Which one is it? Do you want to tell people? Will Democrats tell people you cannot stay if they show up as a family unit right now at the border? And if so, why? They don't they don't seem to agree with that notion. Right. They just keep changing the rules. They shift the ground of the debate every few minutes. So that way they can never really be pinned down and have to defend any one position. They know that this is showing how inept and and just what a joke this Biden administration is. We're, we're already at the I told you so part of the Biden presidency. That's where we are. We're seeing what is happening in real time before us after the all the talk about how Biden was going to be a great uniter and bring us all together. I mean, no one really actually believes that anymore or, or they shouldn't. Adana, we are in the midst of a pandemic. We are dealing with crowded border patrol facilities. We are focused on our operations and the needs of the children. And at the same time, we are working to provide access uh, to those border patrol facilities when we, we can do so in Good. a safe manner. Good. We are we, working on that. Thank we, you. We, we, cover the, we cover the White House under a pandemic, and I, we've figured out how to do it largely safely. Yeah, sure. Uh, look, they are saying this is about safety in the facilities and making the facilities, making the process better. What's really going on here is that you're seeing the plans of the left in real time. You're seeing how this actually works in real life. When when you convince folks that they're going to be able to stay in America, even if they cross illegally, even if they're not legitimate asylum seekers, remember, asylum is a very specific thing. It is for people who we give safe harbor to because they can't safely live in their own country. That's not the same thing as I would rather live in America than Honduras, or I would rather live in America than Brazil or Pakistan or Thailand or wherever. It's not the same thing. And yet these very fundamental issues are what the Democrats dance around. I mean, I think uh, Newt Gingrich says it very well, which is that the left is living in they're they're living in a delusion. The problem is they're in charge. They're in the position of power right now, and they're trying to make all the rest of us live in this delusion, too. We can see what's going on. What they're saying is not true. What they're presenting to you is a lie. 
We're all very aware of this. We know that in their hearts, they like to believe that there's some way to let everybody who wants to come into America from a developing country in particular, let anyone who wants to come in, come in while still have rule of law and an immigration system that functions. They think that those two things can coexist. They're wrong. This is a delusion. Newt sees it. Plays 13, play 13. Look, I, I think that the entire left is living in a fantasy world. Uh, when you have thousands and thousands of people, 3,000 teenagers uh, in the convention center in Dallas who have come in illegally, when you have night after night of violence in Portland, when you have rising crime rates almost everywhere in the country, uh, and you have gasoline prices starting back up, at some point, normal everyday Americans are going to realize the gap uh, between the fantasy world of Biden and Harris and the real world of everyday Americans. And I think that that's going to be extraordinarily expensive for the Democrats in 2022, because you basically have a fight between the American people and a democratic machine. And on almost every major issue now, uh, the American people are on one side and the machine is on the other. And what exactly do we have to show for this Biden administration so far that anybody could point to and say, you know what, they're doing a really good job on and then just fill in the blank. Where are we seeing really excellent work from the Biden administration? I remember all those laughable lies from the 2020 election cycle about the competent and moderate elder statesman from Delaware, Joe Biden. You know, you could trust good old Joe from Scranton. He's not some radical commie who smashes in the windows at Starbucks and comes up with new pronouns every five minutes. I mean, this guy's got more political longevity than a giant tortoise. In fact, this is true. Biden's been around so long. When he first went to the United States Senate, we were figuring out how to end the war in Vietnam. That's that's the truth. I mean, how much damage could he really do as president? I mean, just. Look at our southern border and you get the answer to that. We are two months into the Biden presidency. So far, it's an utter debacle. There are more illegal, illegal immigrant kids in cages, quote, that's what they called it under Trump, than ever before. Over 15,000 right now. Illegal crossings have skyrocketed to well over 100,000 a month. No end in sight. Cartels are getting richer and our immigration laws look like a big joke. All because of good old Joe. Migrants are showing up with Biden T-shirts on. They've told journalists in interviews that they're coming because Biden will let them in. And the response from Team Biden is <sighs> nonsense. We see it all. all right. They swerve around the word crisis in these press conferences like a drunk hippo on ice skates. It's scary for everybody and no one's buying it. And when that doesn't work, they try to blame everything on Trump. It's a pathetic display I mean, the DNC is not sending us their best. None of this is surprising. Not the divisive left wing executive orders from day one, the escalated authoritarian madness around masks, the stalled lockdown recovery, the rising gas prices or the growing sense that the stock market's going to crash any day now. Biden is, as so many on the right said all along, a Democrat figurehead with no talent other than showing up and saying whatever works. What we've got is the third term of the Obama administration, but with Mr. Magoo playing the role of president. It's tough to know what's more frightening to declining Hyden Biden press conferences or staircases. 
The border crisis is just the most visible manifestation of this obvious reality. Joe Biden was never up for this job. and We can all see it. He has neither a vision for the nation's future nor the leadership skills to take us there. He just spews the talking points and does what the handlers and advisors tell him to. He's supposed to be a great uniter. The healing leader for whom our nation was crying out at this point feels like a victory for the country whenever he doesn't wander on stage and not and, and mumble some nonsense about the science. By the time the Democrats can't hold up this facade anymore, the media will be talking about how President Harris really needs to step in and take the reins. And that's not too far off. And you know what they'll do then? They'll scoff at anyone who points out this is exactly what we were expecting all along, just as they do now, as they mouth the preferred slogans of Bar- of uh, Biden's Marxist puppeteers exactly as i said he would many of us saw in advance that when you've been vaccinated or when you've gotten the disease naturally that you are spreading it if there were it would be all over the news there are no news reports and no scientific studies saying that after vaccination that there's some sort of widespread contagion that people vaccinated are spreading the disease it's just not true what Fauci won't tell you is that he's telling you a noble lie. He's lying to you because he doesn't think we're smart enough to make decisions. His fear is that if the vaccinated quit wearing the mask, the unvaccinated will say, what the hell? I'm not wearing a mask either. Right. So he lies to you to say, oh, the mask makes a difference when in reality he knows better. He's wearing two masks for theater. It's complete theater. He is immune. He knows he's not going to get it, but he is not being honest with the American public. I, I Rand Paul, I just this guy's amazing. I mean, he's, you know, sometimes there's there's only a few people who will come out and just say it. And Rand Paul in this one right now, I just feel like I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I wish I could give the guy a high five that he's calling out what's so obvious. Yeah, Fauci is that little tyrant, that feckless bureaucrat is double masking because He, I mean, I think very clearly uh, wants to show people how seriously he takes the virus, even though he's immune. So there's really no reason for him to do this. But then again, there's no reason for people, including the journos all across the mainstream media, including Biden himself, to take photos of themselves with a mask on and put that on their social media profile to put that on their Twitter or their Facebook except that this has become about tribal, political, and ideological allegiance for a lot of people, not for everybody. Some people really believe in the, the magic of wearing masks to uh, defend you from this um, you know, in, in a meaningful way. How many times have I told you that it probably helps a tiny bit, but it's way overblown? I mean, you just observe it. See what's going on. Masks. You walk down the street in New York City outside, you'll see 90 percent of people wearing masks. Ninety. Just walk around. You see it. That's outdoors. You can't go into any place without a mask on right now indoors. You can't do it. They won't let you in anywhere. Has has that stopped the virus? Did it stop for the, the, the spread of the virus in the wintertime in New York City? No, did not at all. In fact, now there's, they're saying there's a pretty high positivity rate here in New York. So this is not a situation that we should allow to continue on without some real pushback, without really figuring out what the heck is going on here. Double masking when you are immune is theater. Right. You can say it's good theater. You can say you like it. You can say you're happy about the situation for whatever reason, but it is theatrical. 
And and this statement that he makes about how they're they don't want people who are vaccinated to stop masking is because the moment that somebody could walk in, I mean, I'll tell you this right now, and this is just the truth. If I could go into my gym, for example, and say, you know, blank off when some mask shamer comes over, blank off, I'm vaccinated. Is there a decent chance that I probably would say that? I'll just leave that out there. You know, a lot of people would say, "Okay, uh, I'm done with the stupid tyranny of these morons. And that would mean the whole the whole masking regime falls apart. It has to be mandatory for everyone. And notice that the only way they've been able to justify this is somehow the science, as we've gone along, has almost magically been manipulated. It's just been perfect. At first, it was they're really good for protection Then it was it's really good at protecting you both ways. So from transmitting and from receiving the virus in the air. And then it was, well, actually, maybe it's really just about you not transmitting it to somebody else. And then they created this whole, well, it's not about what you want. It's about the risk you're posing to other people. And that I just want to say, well, I mean, other people could also avoid congregate settings, couldn't they? You know, you you don't want to you don't want to be in a gym where people are unmasked. Don't go to the gym. What's so bad about that? No, instead, everybody has to suffer because of the anxiety of a few people. Everybody has to suffer because of the belief that Dr. Fauci is not lying to you about the science when it comes to when I say lying to you about the science. These are all judgment calls. They're making judgment calls. And right now, for public policy reasons, they're telling people you have to mask even after even after you're vaccinated. And you're starting to see it pop up more and more forever masking is gaining traction. You know, if this works so well, if this protects people so effectively, including from the flu, including from other coronaviruses that are out there, including from, you know, why wait to see what the next pandemic is like? We could stop it in its tracks, they say, which, of course, is idiocy because you look at what's happened in the last year. But we could stop the next pandemic if only we mask up enough. This has turned into a religious belief. That's what this is. You know, it's the same thing as as Bill, when Bill Gates, as he did recently, says that to fight climate change, he's going to eat less meat personally. That's a religious belief. All right. That's a, that's a question of individual virtue from action that no rational, no rational viewpoint could ever say is going to make a change in anything. All right. That's a, a religious belief. And when you look at what the reality of. Uh, our version of lockdowns, which remember, we never really locked down. I have to point this out to people all the time. They act like, you know, these work from home people who sitting on their couches in, you know, in Los Angeles, on the west side of Los Angeles, you know, closer to the water and in Brooklyn and in Washington, D.C., they've been work from home this whole time and they act like they're big heroes. The the essential workers are still getting on subways, getting into crowded places, going into buildings and still getting sick. They haven't. There's not actually a real lockdown. This is what people don't understand. There's a partial lockdown. So we get the downside of this, of all of this with the herd economy and people separated from each other. But the virus continues to spread because the number one place it spreads is in the home. And so as long as you have some people who are out there subjecting themselves to getting it, it continues to it continues to move through the population. You know, well, why are we not doing serology testing anymore for antibodies in the population? By the way, you notice that that just why did that disappear? We did it in June. It's not crazy. 
there used to be a real interest in this. How many people have actually been infected? Well, maybe because folks would realize this whole health policy stuff from Fauci and all the rest of them. It worked so well that, I mean, they say, what, 30 million Americans have gotten coronavirus. What if it was double or triple that? They don't know. They tell us that 40 percent of transmission occurs in asymptomatic people. So you've got to assume there's a huge number of asymptomatic people who had it and never knew. And they've been tested and they don't know or, or they were they weren't tested rather and they, they never found out. So the the truth is they can't allow their 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 little tyrannical grip off your off your throat, off your face for one second, because then the whole thing falls apart. If there were a state that that made outdoor mask wearing on safety grounds, because there are places that say you can't actually mask unless it's a part of your job, you know, construction work or something. You can't actually mask up in public. People should be able to see your face, know who you are. It's a safety issue. If there were a state that said that they would ban outdoor mask wearing on, on safety issues and they would ban indoor mask wearing on health issues, it's not good for you to be breathing in, you know, your own whatever you're expelling all the time. And this is not this is not good for a lot of folks. It's not good for your anxiety levels. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for your understanding of your relationship with the state, with the government. If there were if there were a state, I don't care which one it is that decided to do that, I would seriously consider moving just just based on that. I think it's that important now to run the experiment to show that all this stuff, they're just wrong and they won't they won't back off. They won't admit that what they've been telling us to do does not work. Didn't work in America. Didn't work in Europe. Doesn't work. You know, if we were a tiny island that could cut off all travel and that forced people into their homes for months on end, maybe it would work. We didn't do anything even close to that. So why pretend? Well, there are a lot of people out there that are pretending for a bunch of different reasons. One of them is. Uh, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. We got to get into that in a second. We followed the CDC guidelines. Any nursing home that did take a resident back, we worked with them to make sure that they had all the safety protocols. It was their choice. No one was mandated. And we have shared all of the information that has been mandated by the federal government, which is a lot uh, publicly. So our nursing home story, like everyone's, is sad because this is where this virus thrives and has taken so many lives. And yet the Michigan experience has, um, I think, been... Um, stronger than that of many other states and so uh this is this is sadly politics pervading our public health still we're not going to get distracted i'm going to stay focused on getting my state through this tough time and keep moving forward as governor gretchen whitmer of michigan was the queen of the lockdowns she was the the governor who right behind cuomo and newsom uh, was among the biggest advocates for lockdown among the uh, the most um, the the most uh, ardent people for masking and all these different mitig- mitigation measures, as Fauci says. Well, it turns out that she might have her own nursing home disasters. You know, Cuomo made the inexplicably stupid and lethal decision to send people back into nursing homes uh, when they when they had covid which was if you were trying to find a way to bring up the death toll, that would have been a very good plan. If you were trying to find a mechanism to make make people uh, more likely to get severely ill or die as a governor, that was a good a good place to start. Whitmer issued an order on April 15th, 2020. That was very similar 
uh, very similar to the Cuomo order. And it has also come up that the uh, here, here you go. This is from USA Today It has come to light. The New York authorities number uh, following pressure from the governor's office deliberately on account of the number of patients um, and the patient numbers are more than 40 percent higher while deaths were 75 percent higher. So what was the reality of the Whitmer decision here in Michigan? Again, this piece in USA Today Did Michigan cover up nursing home COVID deaths like New York? Raises some interesting questions. Here's what they write. Quote, the public had a right to these grim facts, yet it took a five-month-long lawsuit by New York's Empire Center for Public Policy to discover some of the most important information. Governor Cuomo simply wasn't transparent, and neither is the state of Michigan. Michigan is one of only two states where the governor is exempt from freedom of information laws, and the only state where that exemption is written into statute. Thanks to this exemption, the governor has no obligation to produce any records whatsoever, despite making decisions affecting the lives of every Michigander. Michigan is one of only two states where the governor is exempt from freedom of information laws. Governor Whitmer has used this veil of secrecy to act with impunity. Her office has almost single-handedly dictated the state's COVID-19 policies without disclosing the data she has used to make her decisions. After the Michigan Supreme Court struck down the statute Governor Whitmer relied on for her emergency authority, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services became the vessel for COVID decision making. Yet while that department is subject to FOIA, it has not been any more transparent. The state continues to release information about the number of cases and deaths, but not the underlying records. This is unacceptable. The state is asking voters to simply accept its published data without the chance to verify the records used to create them. The Cuomo scandal Democrats, how dangerous it is to trust politicians. Access to information is essential. That's why we're suing the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, And after the state began adding additional deaths to its tally, uh, one of us requested the underlying data of these added deaths. And we're they're trying to get into all this. It shouldn't take a lawsuit to figure this out, but that's where they are. And Gretchen Whitmer is going to fight this. You know why? You're going to find out that this that. While while the governors were worried about their makeup, whether it was Whitmer or Cuomo or Newsom, while they were on TV trying to build their profile. Remember, Whitmer was talked about, oh, maybe she'd be a good Democrat vice president. Right. Maybe maybe she's somebody who should be in the mix here. That was being discussed a year ago. They were also concerned with how it was making them look. How concerned were they with the actual governance of what was going on? How much were they focused on their job? instead of their optics. Right. Well, we can only know that if we get the actual data and it's become increasingly clear that Governor Whitmer doesn't want us to have that data. Why is that? Well, here's a guess. More people died in nursing homes from covid and especially after she gave a very similar order to Cuomo. Right. Because I'm sure she saw that, heard about that, or had a similar reaction of, you know, we've just got to, because there was this panic about, oh, we've got to clear out the hospital capacity. Oh, the hospital capacity. We're going to overwhelm the hospitals. It never actually happened. There was no hospital system that collapsed in this country because we couldn't get anybody care. But Whitmer knows that her political future hangs in the balance here. And just as we've seen with so many other, who, who are the people that were heroes during the pandemic and now look like villains. You'll notice one thing in common about all of them. 
they're Democrats. Cuomo, Newsom, Whitmer. Who was a who was a Republican in 2020 was considered some kind of a covid-19 leader, hero, whatever. And now we see it was actually awful. I can't think of a single one. Does anybody really believe that that's a surprise uh, or that's an accident? That's a coincidence. Nope. I think we all understand what's going on here. I think we're all quite aware of the fact that the Democrat Party, while pretending to be the party of science and pretending to be the people that care so much about the data and the facts, we're covering up a lot of stuff because ultimately they didn't know what they were doing. They made bad decisions in major states that affected thousands and thousands of lives, may have cost in the aggregate thousands of lives. And now the most important thing to them is that they don't want to be held accountable. Now the most important thing is that they would rather uh, think about their reelection effort and maybe a cable news contributorship or something like that instead of actually face the music for what they did. I mean, Whitmer was the one who decided you couldn't go from one house to another that you owned during the pandemic. You remember that you were not allowed to travel. If you owned a lake house, let's say, and you were in the city, not allowed to go to your lake house as if that was ever really enforceable. But that was the tyrannical mindset that she exemplified. And the media held her up as some kind of a hero for this. The media pretended that because of all this, she was a really good person, somebody that we should all listen to. She really knew what she was doing. She really knew what was going on. Yeah. Let's see what those nursing home numbers look like. Let's let's see Governor Whitmer of Michigan open up the books a little bit. Well, from where I sit, I want to see a deeper investigation into whether or not these shootings and other similar crimes are racially motivated. It looks racially motivated to me, uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a police officer. I'm not investigating the crimes. What I have done, though, is I have actually sent a letter to Director Ray and to um, Attorney General Garland asking for a deeper investigation into crimes that involve Asian Americans to see how many crimes have actually been underreported as hate crimes. We know that crimes against Asian Americans that have been categorized as hate crimes have increased by over 150% in our nation's major cities. That's over 3,800 additional crimes last year. But we also know that many of these crimes go underreported as hate crimes and are just classified as a mugging or harassment Mm -hmm. or vandalism when really they were targeted at Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in particular. So they're they're on this anti-Asian hate crime uh, crusade right now in the media. And you're going to see a lot of numbers and statistics used. One thing that I will tell you is that the way that they will present statistics, you know, you've got to look at the you got to look at the overall numbers, too. If you see that there were there was a 200 percent increase in hate crimes, let's say, in a city in America against Asian-Americans, against anybody. But if you saw a 200 percent increase in hate crimes, you'd say, oh, my gosh, we've got a we've got a real problem that must be addressed immediately. You would still think you had a problem, but you might feel differently about the scope of it if you found out that the, you know, the 200 percent increase was from, oh, I don't know, 10 to, you know, 10 to 30. Right. Or if you found out that the 200 percent increase was from, uh, you know, four to 12. Right. Or. Whatever, whatever the case, or, 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 you know, if it was a hundred percent increase, we'll make it easy. We'll make it. A, we'll just make it a simple double. If it went from four to eight. You'd say, wow. That's that's a lot. 
that's a that's a big that's a big change, right? That's a big change. Except that's not a lot of overall cases. So be aware of the way that th- that statistics are used. They do this with the when they want to create a a media hysteria around a general sweeping surge of of hate crimes or something like that. That's one of the things they'll do. They'll use a statistic that sounds like it is indicative of a wave of a of a of a massive pattern shift when really it could just be anomalous uh, to a certain period of time. You have to look at it. Another thing is what you'd have to say when the narrative. What's this piece here from Andrew Sullivan? When the narrative replaces the news. Andrew Sullivan is a he's heterodox. He can be a liberal in many ways, but he also occasionally will call out the absurdities of liberalism. Guy started a blog a long time ago. He's he's created a very successful audience for himself. And what he writes here, this is one of the best pieces. This is the best piece I've read on the Atlanta shooting massacre. And it's because it goes to the nature of our new of our news media right now is such that it is all it is all commentary over reporting. Reporting is just the thing you do briefly so you can start all commenting on it right away. And I'm talking about the most, uh, you know, reputed news organizations. I'm talking about you, you name it. There are a lot of them out there. Um, uh, New York Times, Washington Post. This is what they do. And here's how we go uh, into this piece from Andrew Sullivan. Quote, the massacres at three massage parlors in Atlanta last week, leaving eight human beings dead, others injured and their families scarred, were horrifying. Uh, Read this deeply moving story about the son of one of the women killed to remind yourself of this. It's brutal. The grief will spread and resonate some more. But this story also has been deeply instructive about our national discourse and the state of the American mainstream and elite media. This story's coverage is proof, if it seems to me, that American journalists have officially abandoned the habit of attempting any kind of objectivity in reporting these stories. We are now in the enlightened social justice world of moral clarity and narrative shaping. Here's the truth. We do not yet know why this man did these horrible things. It's probably complicated or, as my therapist used to say, multi-determined. That's why we have thorough investigation and trials in America. We only have one solid piece of information as to motive, which is the confession by the mass killer to law enforcement, that he was a religious fundamentalist who was determined to live up to chastity and repeatedly failed, as is often the case. Like the 9-11 bombers and the mass murderer at the Pulse nightclub, he took out his angst on the source of what he saw as his temptation and committed mass murder. This is evil in the classic fundamentalist sense, a perversion of religion and sexual repression into violence. We should not take the killer's uh, confession as definitive, but we have yet to find, I'm skipping down here a little bit, any credible evidence of anti-Asian hatred or bigotry in this man's history. Maybe we will. We can't rule it out. But we do know his roommates say they once asked him if he picked the spas for sex because the women were Asian. He denied it. He said they were just the safest way to have quick sex. And yet, you know what's coming. Accompanying one original piece on the known facts, the New York Times ran nine. That's right. Nine separate stories about the incident as part of the narrative that this was an anti-Asian hate crime fueled by white supremacy and or misogyny. Not to be outdone, the Washington Post ran 16 separate stories on the incident as an anti-Asian white supremacist hate crime. 16. One story for the facts. 16 on how critical race theory would interpret the event regardless of the facts. End quote. And that's about that's about what you would expect now. 
I think that's really where we are. You're at about a a 16 to 1 ratio. You're at about a 16 to 1 ratio of time spent reporting on an incident like this, reporting on what actually happened versus the time that would be spent, say, um, talking about how this is Donald Trump's fault. And that happened a lot, too. It was remarkable. You, you had, on the one hand, a mass shooting with a, with a shooter in custody. He's already admitted it. We, we know this is the guy. Um, you know, he, he told everybody what his motive is. And in no way do we know that he liked Donald Trump, listened to Donald Trump, had anything to do with Donald Trump. We don't even know if he was politically interested or motivated at all. There are, there are people that think of themselves as serious public intellectuals who are spending their time writing about how this is Donald Trump's fault. That's what we're supposed to take from this is this is a Trump problem. That's what they tell us. What is the basis for this? What is the uh, the foundation of this? Well, this is now what the media marketplace demands. I mean, if you're going to be a woke liberal, if you're going to be somebody on the left who really believes all this stuff, believes in all this stuff, uh, you have to push the agenda. And that means any opportunity, you have to take things that occur and fit them into the agenda that you have. You need to take things that are occurring and use them for this purpose, even if it doesn't line up. What's the most important thing, that you get the facts right or that you support the narrative? If you are a leftist, if you're a social justice warrior, the narrative is the most important thing. And that's the whole reason for this Andrew Sullivan piece. I'd also say he points out, I think, rather uh, correctly that mass shooters and mass killers when they're in custody, they tend to want to tell people why they did these things. And we don't usually see them lying about it. They usually will tell you, I shot these people because I'm a you know fundamentalist lunatic who kills people because whatever it may be. And in this instance, we're supposed to think that this guy is lying about it. Why? I mean, I'm not saying that somebody who would murder eight innocent people, including two non-Asian individuals who get left out of much of the news coverage of this, is somebody who's trustworthy in any respect. Obviously, this guy is a moral monster, but there's no reason to believe he would lie about that, about his motivation. He's already caught. I mean, he's probably going to be facing the death penalty if he doesn't spend the rest of his life in a uh, in a you know criminal mental facility. So. Why all the news reporting on how this is about white supremacy and anti-Asian bias? A lot of news reporting on that. I also saw over the weekend that there was a a, a uh, 68-year-old Sri Lankan immigrant on a train in Manhattan who was attacked while the guy was shouting anti-Asian slurs, and it was a he was a black man wearing a pink hoodie, pink hooded sweatshirt with a fedora on, and there's very prominent uh, photos that that have been released by the NYPD. And now that's just one assault. That's one attack. But it's clearly an anti. I mean, if you're punching someone and yelling anti-Asian slurs, the guy just punched him for no, no, no altercation, nothing before and just punched him. If you're doing that, chances are it's a hate crime, right? if, If you're actually just punching somebody because you see them and say, I hate you because blank and you're hitting them, it's a hate crime. There have been a lot of incidents like this and. Uh, um, a, a disproportionate number of them, at least 27 percent by the numbers overall of attacks on Asian-Americans come from uh, black Americans. 
yet the media doesn't grapple with this and how it affects the white supremacy and Donald Trump is responsible for calling it the Wuhan virus at all. They, they don't deal with that at all. What do they say? Oh, well, white the the legacy and history of white supremacy is what has caused these kinds of racial tensions to exist in the first place. Therefore, even and this is real analysis you'll find online, even when a when a black man attacks an Asian man for no reason and screams anti-Asian slurs, it is evidence to the left of white supremacy. This is real. They'll, they will say this. They will make that case. So be aware of the fact that you're, you're being misled. And, and we've increasingly uh, entered this world where what you can readily and easily observe is no longer acceptable to be said out loud. What you can see quite clearly is true or untrue is risky to say, to share, to believe there is a narrative. You are to accept it. And if the narrative is that Donald Trump has created white supremacist, uh, a wave of white supremacist attacks on Asian Americans, even if the evidence does not in any meaningful way support that, you better say that or else. This is Joe Biden's America we're in now, folks. That's how it goes.